Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Ben Stoddard. And I'm Kenneth Heisler, a.k.a. Skullface. I'm Ron Ritchie, a.k.a. The Great Khan. I'm Josh, the rat bastard dino prince Rosado. I'm Fuchs Castro. And I'm Mark Zelensky. Welcome to another episode of the Narrative Workshop. As you can hear, we have a full house tonight, and it could possibly get just a touch out of control. So, uh, we're very, very happy to have Nuke with us tonight. So, welcome, guys. Thanks, Thanks for so having us, Mike. Greetings. There you go. I'm loving it. This is going to be a lot of fun. Our topic for tonight, guys, is gaming the narrative. And if you haven't heard of Skullface or the Great Con, I mean, uh, you're missing out in life there and you're not reading your uh, Kings of War novels. So we're going to be talking all about Game of the Narrative and the wonderful narrative that the War Kings are doing and stuff like that. So, But first, got to get a little introduction on our guests. So uh, K2, why don't you go first and give us a little bit of idea of who you are and introduce yourself to the Counter Charge audience. Thanks a lot, Mark. Yeah, I, a lot of people know me as uh, Kenneth Heisler on Facebook. All my friends call me K2 because I'm Kenneth II. But most recently in War Kings and Kings of War, I've kind of developed this persona of Skullface. And we'll, we'll get into more of that in a bit. But uh, I've been playing games probably, you know, since I was about, I don't know, it, it almost... Almost 20 years now, and uh, ever since uh, Kings of War 2nd Edition came out, we've just attacked it, and uh, been loving it ever since. Oh, that's fantastic. How are you loving 3rd Edition so far? I like it a lot. I'm a, uh, a big proponent of orcs, and um, you know, with uh, Eric taking down Masters, I, I feel like it's sort of like a, a job fulfilled. I'm very happy that orcs now rule the world. But, you know, there's always room for improvement uh, with Clash of Kings 21. I can see some definite buffs for orcs in the future. I think they, they could use them. Always, oh, They could always be better. Love third so far. I mean, all infantry orcs taking down masters, what's not to like? I love third edition. There you go. A green moon rising, so to speak. That's right. They, we're, we're under the green moon, you could say, right now. So speaking of green, Ron, why don't you introduce yourself to the Counter Charge audience? Yes, my name is Ron Ritchie. I'm also known as The Great Con. I've been around Facebook for a little while, I guess. Um, yeah, I've been gaming for centuries, for a very, 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 very long time. I've been playing Greenskins for a very long time, and um, we're destined to rule the world. So I continue playing the Greenskins. <laughs> and Goblins in third edition are perfect. They don't need to touch a damn thing. You don't need to touch my winget. You don't need to touch my blasters. You don't need to touch nothing. Everything's fine. Thank you. I'm a man of few words. I'm more of a man of action. You guys see my stuff online. I like to post my goodies online and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm a hardcore gamer and I, I love doing this stuff. It's my passion. Ron, Ron's got to be one of the most prolific painters I know. And uh, his his I goblin can't... army like goes across an entire eight-foot table. Like it's 
impressive. It's got 12,000 points. Based. Painted. <laughs> yeah. So, Ron, what's your secret? Um, old age and patience. No. I don't know. I mean, I've been doing art like my whole life, man. It's it, like I do all kinds of art. So for me, it's like a natural thing. I mean, I'll be painting goblins. I'll be working on canvas. I'll be messing around with this, that, whatever, you know. So for me to do like any of this stuff, it's kind of natural for me. Um, I'm pretty uh, disciplined about it. It's one of the few things I'm kind of disciplined about, I guess. Um, I have other routines. You know, I try to put in at least an hour a day. It's just like one of those things, you know, you know, lay down a color. If you're bored, you know, walk away, come back later on. You know, before you know it, you'll have all kinds of new goodies and stuff to terrorize your friends with. So I don't know. I just, just something I do. <laughs> there you go. Words to live by, folks. Definitely. So, all right. And Josh. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. So I think you've been on the show before, but, uh, you know, if you want to give everybody a little update there. I've been on the show a couple of times. Uh, I'm Josh Rosato. I play a variety of different armies. I probably have three or four different armies. Probably most uh, known for being a rat player. I was on the uh, the second edition rat podcast that you guys did. And... Uh, I'm also the legendary Grifficorn who's doing those nuke updates on the Fanatics page for all of the six of you that have watched it. Thank you for watching. Appreciate that. It takes a little while. They're and fantastic. Uh, They're fantastic. <laughs> thanks. If you're, not, if you're not watching, you should be watching. You should. They're pretty funny. It's a good time. Basically just playing uh, Club DM lately with all this COVID stuff. We've been doing a lot of UB and uh, we just made a new club map. I've been keeping busy updating that, keeping track of the games, updating the game. So it's been a lot of a lot of fun, kind of like a club DM. All right. Well, we're really looking forward to digging into that. But you mentioned the lockdown and stuff like that. So why don't we go around and see how everybody's weathering the storm, so to speak, with their little hobby update there. So, Ben, I know that you uh, painted some stuff for the countercharge painting challenge. So uh, what's happening out there in Idaho? Uh, it's a bit fortuitous. I just started a goblin army, actually, so that fits in pretty well with the theme, I think. Just got in my Kickstarter a couple months ago from Shield Wolf Miniatures with their forest goblins, and I'm putting that together. Uh, right now, I'm working on uh, the the new goblin that Black Scorpion Miniatures just came out with. He's riding a turtle. He's going to be my... I'm not I'm not sure which one, if he's going to be the the Kuzlo and Madfall or the Joe Swan or however you pronounce his name, but I'm going to work him into a list somewhere and use him. Apart from that, the book, my book dropped this last weekend in the digital format. And if you get a hold of Wing Tassar directly, they can send you, you know, the Dead Trees copy version of it too. So that's, that's pretty much my update for right now. Yeah, well, big hearty congratulations on your first published novel, my friend. It's uh, really awesome. Yeah, we're excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. So very, very good. K2, are you adding any forces uh, to Skullface's massive army? Always. So I, I kind of went on this weird trip where I, I kind of want to, I, I set off on making an all Morax, nearly all Morax orc army at 2,000 points. And initially, I was gearing up for the Unplugged GT uh, to unleash this. And so for the first, like, three weeks of containment, I just was painting nothing but orc infantry. And um, I'm still, I'm still kind of stuck in 
the GW like model range for that because I have so many just orphaned orc models from all different people. So I'm, I'm painting like, you know, these 20 year old orcs just perpetually, just constantly. So I've, I've made a decent headway into that. But then I started playing that list on UB and I'm having second thoughts about an all Morax army. Um, <laughs> So I'm, I'm kind of got a little bit of self-doubt in the list right now. But I'm always, I do all my painting kind of gearing up before tournaments. And I've been trying to use containment as an excuse to just, you know, paint as many orcs as I can. That being said, I've, I've finished like 20 of them. So I've got about 30 more to go. But now that... Unplugged GT is canceled and all these other GTs are canceled. So I'm slowing down a little bit, but now I'm thinking maybe I should bite the bullet and add some great acts to the army, but it's always got to be orcs. It's <laughs> orcs is pretty much the game for me. I, I dabble with halflings. Like I'm thinking about doing Rhodia at some point. I've got a lot of the Westphalia miniatures. I just got, was it Atlantic miniatures? Did they just come out with that hard plastic? Halfling kit, but anyway, so I, I like to say, yeah, Atlantic War Games. Yeah, I so I, I I ordered a box of that stuff too. So that's that's like always in the background because initially when I first started playing Kings of War, I was playing some um, Rordia. My first love is like I don't know, I can't I can't get away from the orc, so I'm gonna try and do some sort of infantry orc list now so whether or not it's all morax or a little bit of great axe in there we'll see but just painting orcs why do i think those halflings are going to end up as casualties on those orc uh horde bases well the the halflings are tied into orc town fluff um i've managed to figure that out so in my world you know the or the halflings supply the orc town elite with finest stogies there are you know so they they're basically all into cash crops my uh halflings and um you know they've they've got a real good thing going by just selling uh cigars and uh fine tobacco products to uh the upper echelons of uh the Orktown, you know elite i don't know <laughs> governors you know uh congressmen so you know so there, there's a way to work in orc uh halflings uh somehow into orc town fluff all right fantastic sounds like you need a few tips from ron to get your uh painting speed up there and speaking of ron what uh goblins are gracing your painting table right now well thank you for asking well as a matter of fact the mongrel empire has been very busy as of late i have been um pretty much rebasing my whole army. Like I started with the rabble and I'm already eyeballing all the rest of my army and a large percentage of my army is still kind of like a throwback from the old uh, other game system from the day, if you know what I'm talking about. And it was all like full model count. So I recently just been like ripping them off the bases and like multi-basing them. Um, started with the rabble. I just finished up before this conversation. I just finished up regiment seven and eight. Um, I'm trying to go up to 12. And um, I'm eyeballing my cavalry next. So I got a, another mincer mob on the table here getting ready to be painted. And, uh, yeah, it never stops there. Underrealm's at 113% production level right now. I'm loving this uh, lockdown. You can lock me down as much as you want. I don't mind. I'm just going to keep painting these goblins. 
And furthermore, um, speaking of lockdown, um, this like I just recently got into Universal, uh, but Universal Battle, and uh, I've been kind of loving it. It's a great tool. It's really great for like hammering down strategy and tactics and seeing it from a different perspective. Um, so I've been eating up that a lot and like refining like a lot of my lists and stuff. And um, you know, so I've been having a lot of fun with that. So all I've been doing, man, is just painting my goblins. Um, I do have other armies, believe it or not. I do play other games. So, you know, I do uh, paint other stuff, too. <laughs> but, yeah, with the lockdown being in effect and stuff, like, and I don't have, like, a lot of commission work right now. And I've just been really focusing on working on some of these old goblin infantry units and stuff I had that definitely needed some uh, TLC. So, yeah, that's about it right here. All right, fantastic. So, Josh, are you going to be up to the challenge? It sounds like uh, the Great Con is mustering additional forces. See, here's the thing. Here's the really awesome thing about our club is that we're all hobby maniacs. So, yeah, I mean, here in Rosado Blight, we got plenty of stuff going on because I actually painted a 2000 point army in 20 days (laughs) over COVID. I painted. So with all this talk about the green moon, one day I was just sitting at my house and I had this uh, like just like a 2000 or 2500 point. Uh, old ogre army sitting on my shelf that I've always been meaning to do something with. And it just kind of dawned on me when K2 was like, you know, joking about the green moon. I'm like, you know, this is perfect for War King's fluff. And there's moonshins coming down because of the green moon. So I, I immediately go into my closet and I strip all these old ogres and I, I, I just like, I painted a test mini and I just didn't stop for 20 days and I just busted out a whole 2000 point army and um I, it hasn't even seen the table but i've played 32 universal battle games with it and um what i've ended up doing is i've switched my list so I've, i'm adding probably another 800 points of moonshins to my new ogre army uh right now as well as testing out some color schemes for um i talked about my nature army a little bit on this podcast a while ago the glade of the Grifficorn, and it's all very like monkey bird-esque colors. I don't know if you remember that from Pirates of Dark Water and stuff, but I want to do a, a like a grandiose human alliance that uh, is essentially Order of the Grifficorn. So I want them to have like, you know, teals in their armor and reds and blues and all these really crazy uh, jungle colors. And uh, I want to use that as like five different factions. So I started putting some um, contrast paint on some Northern Alliance miniatures and... uh I posted that up and I'm trying to pin down a color scheme so I can just kind of go with that. But I basically have like 15 projects in the works at all times <laughs> on my hobby tests. So I've just been hobby ADD jumping back and forth. As soon as I get bored of one thing, I, you know, maybe I'll work on terrain for a little while or I'll do a little bit of a commission or whatever, but I'm always doing stuff always at least an hour or two a day. So well, I'm completely jealous. Now, I've got the hobby ADD uh, really bad, too, So, but uh, <laughs> I've got to bounce. I just, I just bounce. That's just what I do. So, definitely. Felix, are you still working on your Northern Alliance there, buddy? Uh, yeah, since we've been in uh, quarantine, or as, uh, since it's not from the Quant region of France, it's just sparkling isolation. Been working on a couple units, I think, I've since we've... The whole lockdowns have happened. I've finished off a regiment of Huskarls and two troops of half-elf berserkers. Currently also working on a horde of snow trolls and some pack hunters. Because uh, I'm 
thinking about trying to use those. Now, literally, like a third of these units have never even seen the actual tabletop. But I think after a while, I've I think I have about thirty three hundred points of uh, Northern Alliance painted up so far. So also known as a good start. So kind of working on those things. Yeah, kind of been about it. I was also a uh, a hashtag secret army project that I'm also working on as well, but uh, it's also secret. What is so. it? Well, <laughs> glad you asked. Yeah, that's kind of what's hitting on my hobby table right now. So right now I'm literally just staring at a uh, thing of pack hunters. I just primed some tundra wolves. Tundra wolves is another thing I'm working on in snow trolls. So hitting up the contrast paints and stuff like that to see if I can knock out some more of these units that may or may not ever make a table army for me. But I, I just like the models so much for the Northern Alliance. So oh, I also have a, a Lord on Chimera that's been staring at me that I need to finish up. But uh, yeah, that's a pretty expensive dragon. So I'm not certain I'm going <laughs> to see it anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like anything but hobby ADD. You've been like uh, completely focused on those. I didn't know if you'd make it, but thirty three hundred points plus. Yeah, I just calculated it tonight. It's thirty three fifty right now, and that's just like not any like. Uh, I, I even took like the lower thing, so instead of a Lord on Frostfang, I made it a Thane on Frostfang instead of uh, you know. I, I even downgraded stuff to kind of its cheapest points costs, and it's still about thirty three fifty. So. I don't know. You know, a buddy of mine was joking that the Northern Alliance might get the rose for me in terms of the bachelor. Cause I've bounced around from a lot of armies. I've got the herd. I've got some undead. I've got abyssals. I've got basilands. I've got the, uh, what else? Uh, dwarves, you know? So between the lore and the models, it's just sort of has, has it had me from hello. So been really enjoying pinning them up. So. Well, I currently have Northern Alliance on my painting table as well, so I'm still working on those damn snow trolls. I can't finish them for some reason. I don't know. I think it's a mental block I've got. I just keep painting them, and i got to stop. So i got to call done is done and just move on. So, But uh, still working on them, and then I dabble around with the uh, Night Stalkers, and then I'm working on... See, uh, Josh will appreciate the uh, ADD here because I've got uh, working on a little bit of Trident Realms. I've got a dwarf up there. Who else do I got up there? I got a couple of things going right now. So when I get bored with one, I go with the other one. But uh, I'm going to have to apply a little focus and get it. I sadly have been averaging maybe 10 minutes a day if I get lucky. So I've been on After Dark a couple of times and we've had a good time. And so I want to do that more often as I can here. But for me, work has been absolutely grueling. So, um, But I'm happy to be working, so I'm not going to complain. Ten minutes a day is better than zero minutes a day. That is true. That's, that's like an hour plus a week. There you go. That could, be a, that could be like a model or half a model. That's still progress. Right. Well, ten minutes, that's like two colors at least. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got to get on the Ron uh, painting classes. I got to get him online and show me how uh, he gets that going. I've lost my muscle memory, which is really slowing me down. So that's the one thing I've really noticed that I've I have lost my muscle memory in my paintbrush hand here. So I am uh, not happy. I got to get it back. I got to get painting more. Well, if you if you do goblins, I mean, mostly it's green, right? And oh, then, I forgot I'm working on a goblin army. Very carefully. And then no one really cares about the fourth dude on the third row. Just it's just green, just waves of green. No. So I'll have you know, pal. Each one of, <laughs> each one of my little. Sh- <laughs> Each one Servants of those guys of Empire. me from scratch, generally from bits and scrap and everything else that I've dug out of the bit box over the years. There's like all kinds of stuff, and you look real close. Each one of them tells a little story. 
Never underestimate the simplicity of your simple rank and file man. As a matter of fact, tired of listening to you. I'm declaring war on you. (laughs) (laughs) One of the most astounding things about Ron's army, right, is first of all, like you you see his goblin army at a tournament. That's like a, a tiny fraction, right? The next tournament, it'll be an entirely different goblin army. But the thing about it is it's like a master class in um, you might have a touch of obsessive compulsive disorder, Ron, because every single one of his goblins is painted to the exact standard. And it's a it's a pretty high standard. It's a very good standard, but and it's full model count. So, Ron, you're an aspirational greenskin, my my dude. He definitely doesn't cut any corners. That's for sure. No way. I can get my damn claws on, really. You could just uh, do what I do and just drill out the faces so you don't have to paint faces. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Part of the model. Face is the most important. Yeah, the moon was. (laughs) I went through all my rabble, dude. I I dry brushed like a little pink on their nose, on their ear tips now. I uh, rewashed like all the wood grain and the leather and stuff on them. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Looking good. Oh, boy. Yeah, when they release me from under rum, y'all gonna be suffering. <laughs> I got chinks on chariots. I got new blasters. I got all kinds of new filthy crap going on down here. You're all gonna suffer. Well, speaking of suffering, why don't we get into why we're all here today? And that is talking about gaming the narrative. So, Felix, I think you're gonna be brave enough to lead us down this road. So, I mean, I thought I was. So anyway, so we were kind of uh, we were in the in the labs of the narrative workshop, kind of uh, brainstorming some ideas. And for me, I was thinking, man, I I hang out with a really hardcore group of tournament gamers. Uh, you know, K2 already mentioned Eric Trowbridge, who won the U.S. Masters. He's one of my regular like club chat guys. So it's a whole bunch of guys that are really into the tournament scene and, you know, they, they, they really pride themselves on doing well in tournaments. Part of me secretly likes the narrative. I like, uh, you know, I like these storylines uh, uh, that games come up with. And so when we were trying to figure out ideas, I was like, wait a minute. The Nuke guys, which New England War Kings, for, for those who you know, don't know. Well, that's actually, it's, Northeast War Kings North, now. New, yeah, Northeast yeah, we've, we've expanded. They've expanded our empire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, took over the Canadian frozen north. Those guys, you know, having met, you know, K2 last year at King Beyond the Wall, like they invited me into their Facebook group. I mean, it's just an amazing, rich narrative storyline they got going on up there. And like uh, Josh Rosado said, if you're if you're not reading his weekly updates, it's you're you're missing out on some great stories that are going on right now so i so i thought hey let's invite these guys onto the onto the show so they can kind of talk about you know how they develop the narratives that they have how this crazy rich storyline which kind of makes the makes the stories better it's cool you know the night to have a weekly you know just one-off game with your your buddies but when it's tied into a greater story like that just makes it really cooler and then you have these grudges and these wars and these you know these complicated plot twists and you know uh, assassination attempts on each other's generals i just find that really cool and so we invited them along they're really uh excited to join us and so i i thank them for for coming along but uh pivoting to some actual questions because i did actually do some forethought into this whole thing so what were the origins of what would become war king landia like what was like who came up with that the name and the setting and how did that come about 
we were trying to remember how exactly working landia came up and we i don't know josh you you were saying that we think it was kind of a spoof of mantica yeah <laughs> yeah at first because it's kind of one mediocre name after you know following another you know just like weekly weekly games played amongst ourselves very early on like you know and it it, it doesn't end wednesday night at the game store like it, it just kept going, and soon enough, I mean, I mean, Ron, Ron had it like at first. You know, he's always been the great con in our club. When when I first met Ron, was like on the way to Unplug GT 2017, and his name wasn't Ron Ritchie on the attendance sheet. It was the great con. <laughs> right, <laughs> like he was always the great con. Right. Right. And and his force was always the Mundrul Empire, right? So I like to attribute like Ron as like sort of the 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 godfather, the granddaddy of starting this crazy narrative, because his army has always been kind of really rich in fluff and backstory. Each of his characters is not only so customized that you got to have kind of a, a a backstory on it, but like. He goes really deep. And then we went into, you know, different, uh, the, the Edge of the Abyss campaign is when it really got, like, solidified. And um, I just, like, can I, can I interrupt you for one second, K2? Yeah. I just want to add, I just want to add real quick that something Ron brought to our group, because Ron, we hadn't, me and K2 have been gaming together since we were teenagers. Ron wasn't really part of our circle, but he, you know, he was around. And he kind of jumped in on the Kings of War bandwagon on like in like 2016. But something Ron brought with his fluff, and when he came in with this, like he had Mount Yamada, and he had General Sao, and he had the Great Khan and Peck Peck. So he brought this like humor, like this ridiculous, like like very cartoony humor along with him. That I think we're all kind of riding the coattails of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so originally he came in and he had like this really, anyway, that's, I just wanted to say like, like yeah. he's the one who kind of like took Absolutely. us out of like that serious, like old game mentality where it's like, oh, these serious wars and these sieges. And then, and then like, it's this more slapstick kind of <laughs> cartoony, awesome thing. So, yeah. Right. So, so basically it was the great con and everyone's just following his kind of lead in a story making the story and so yeah so everyone's just like hey i'm gonna make my general i'm gonna go fight the great con and right, right. so so can i, can to, I say something please yeah yeah now go ahead. as far as the comedy aspect it's very serious to us <laughs> right very serious to us i mean you guys are a bunch of cutthroat murderous people you know it's dangerous out there in the world being a goblin general and not even just that, just having an empire of goblins is dangerous upon itself. But no, no one ever thinks about that. Yeah, it's true. Skullface <laughs> himself has got to be one of the scariest people in the world, right? If he was a real person, like you wouldn't you wouldn't even mess with that guy for a minute. So taking it back, that first GT, you see Ron with his army. Because I immediately went home and I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to finally bring my, my orcs, you know, out of eighth edition Warhammer into this. 
And I remember making the skull face model, right? Because, and, and just thinking like, this is going to be the most BA orc in the world, right? As I'm doing it. And, and so I set apart, you know, it just made it the goal to make, to kind of build up that myth and that legend. And I think when you're kind of nation building, like, like the, like nuke is the nation of nuke, if you want to call it that, you got to have like a, a nice foundation of some pretty good myth behind it all. And um, over the last few years, I think that's what we've really developed. And that's why it's like, you know, so much fun because I feel like the tournaments, like it's nice to do well at tournaments. But for me, it's all about, you know, making silly skull face memes on Facebook and continuing this BS narrative as far and as crazy as we can take it. That's like probably very much more than half of the fun for me yeah i mean that's definitely that's what attracts me to it and that's why i thought of you guys first was just like hey you know cool narrative when it comes to our regular you know your your regular games you know bringing that into a normal weekly game night stuff and so pivoting to another thing i know josh had mentioned he's sort of the gm was that something that sort of evolved like like no one was like stirring anything you're just like fine i'll uh, keep track of well, things like every other GM ever. But, it's kind of always been this way. <laughs> like it's kind of like ever since the beginning, I was always the one running the tournaments. I was always the one setting up the events. When the Edge of the Abyss came came about, like I kind of structured the way we were gonna do it. You're the numbers guy. The nu- yeah, I think Ron calls me the numbers guy. I basically I feel like I'm good at at DMing and record keeping and stuff like that. So put my talents to use and try to just keep everything streamlined and going smooth. And then, and then recently we had always talked about doing another campaign ever since edge of the abyss. It was like, we should do another campaign and it just never really got off the ground. I didn't really have enough time to, to come up with something that would, would be fun and interesting enough. So when the lockdown hit K2 drew this really awesome map and I was like, Oh, I should. So what I did was I ended up taking K2's drawing and I scaled it up onto a big giant poster should, board graphic. We should, we should say the map of Working Landia is basically New England bleeding into New York and Canada. Right. In sort of like a weird like you know yeah. fantasy map looking way. Yeah. So you know where we all a lot of us live on Cape Cod, which isn't a big a big place. But we blew um, it up. Not, it's not even a big part of Massachusetts, uh, where <laughs> most of us are from. But on our map, like it's it's about half the size of Massachusetts. Like it's a huge thing. So hundreds and hundreds of miles. Absolutely. <laughs> so like we ended up, I ended up taking this graph map and uh, kind of like just sending people pictures of like the map and like, Oh, do you want to take this territory, that territory? And then I, I kind of structured it and then found a cool computer program that let me draw the map digitally. And that was huge. That was the biggest thing. Cause now we have hexes on it. Uh, there's name territories. People are taking territories left and right. Uh, I learned how to do PowerPoint slideshows and never knew how to do that, but now I can do like an update every week. So we've been having a lot of fun with it playing literally during these crazy times. We got 20, you know, we'll have 20 to 30 games being played on our campaign a week. That's definitely utilizing universal battle and being able yeah. to 
get games in fairly easily. I mean, I log in at, I get into work, I log in my work computer at like eight, nine o'clock in the morning and I see at least one hack practice or new stuff <laughs> yeah. going yep. on already. I'm like, when do these guys sleep? No. <laughs> We, we stagger our sleep schedules so that there can always be gaming. There's, right. there's just yeah, and there's a lot of us now. Yeah, <laughs> so just yeah, right. I mean, twenty guys, members now. Yeah, your hostile takeover of Canada didn't you know helps, <laughs> uh, bring a little bit. Bad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, that's cool. And I know uh, it's it's definitely about the personalities and, and the characters within the nuke world. Is there ever a thought you guys might take this into the Kings of War role-playing game whenever it comes out? Or is it just, there's just so much of a story going on right now that... We've actually played uh, an Orktown-themed D&D session, uh, but that was before the role-playing game for Kings of War was actually out, so... Right. I mean, I don't think anyone would be opposed if someone just showed... We have a place called War Kings HQ. We all kind of congregate there when we can. And I'm sure if somebody came there one day and slapped... You know, the role-playing book on the, on the table and was like, we're going to play this session. I had this awesome idea. Skullface is going to do this and this and that and the other thing. Like, I'm sure we'd all jump in on it and have fun and have a few laughs. Well, if I may, um, as a club, I mean, as far as tabletop, we can do pretty much anything. We have everything from dungeon crawling, mass warfare. We can do the skirmishing and everything else with Vanguard, film, sieges, whatever. Um, as far as an RPG being dropped into the mix, that's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, oh, really yeah, it's true. Very true. Right, right. But, like, as a collective, like, we feed off each other really well. Like, we balance off each other really good. So, like, collectively, like, when we're all hanging out at, like, headquarters, for example, um, yeah, yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff can happen. We do a lot of, like, that whose line any is it anyway, you know, <laughs> stuff where it's like, what if I did this? And the next person will be like, oh, and then that. And then the next person, oh, yeah, that would be cool if this happened too. And then it just kind of all kind of evolves from there and blows up to ridiculous proportions and, and uh, yeah, wage epic right. war. Right. Because I noticed Matt and some of the other guys from Canada, they made a pretty aggressive push into, uh, into the nuke area. Uh, was that just something, again, just sort of sprung up spontaneously? Or did you guys actually, you know... Well, put some he, maple he, syrup he across. Earned, yeah, he earned the right to get nuke membership to be like an official board member. Yeah, not uh, everyone can be nuke. Gotcha. So um, there's there's rules, you know, for this. So Matt, of course, I'm big pals with Matt uh, Ramirez, and because uh, he's like the other orc player, it's like me, <laughs> Matt, right. and like. Eric, you know, when he wants to win the biggest tournament in the country, right? So anyways, so we're, of course, buddies. So one morning, like, he sent me a picture of, like, his new fight wagon regiment. And the orc has got this giant blazing banner with nuke on it. I'm like, yep, you're welcome aboard. Like, I put him into our, our group chat, which is called the Orktown Board of Directors. Uh, and, and basically that started gear, you know, as a means to communicate with each other, gearing up to Orktown GT one, uh, which was over three years ago now. And, uh, it never stopped. And that's another kind of undercurrent of fluff that's constantly happening all day long and night, just amongst ourselves. So there's, there's 20 board members now in that chat then there's our facebook page where 
a lot of the memes and the other like more public shout outs and uh, challenges happen. It's really interesting with you guys because you guys have taken a different take on this. A lot of the times the the humorous aspect of like campaign building and building a club and all that kind of stuff kind of kind of is not seen as the main route to go. Most of the time people see like there's all those memes about how a D&D group starts and how it ends, usually comparing it to like Lord of the Rings when it starts and Monty Python when it ends. And you guys just went straight for Monty Python right from the beginning, it seems like. And yeah, we're, we're not we're not like high fantasy at all. Like no. we have our moments of like high fantasy, right? But it really ends up into like, you know, just some sort of joke really fast, really fast. Yeah, we may be like funny and everything else, but we're also very dangerous. Like we tend to do pretty well at the corner. <laughs> well, some of us are. <laughs> yeah, Bill problems, uh, you know, putting people to the blade if you get what I'm saying. Well, but it seems like you guys also have those epic moments and it actually builds in a way because the, the stories that you guys are just even hinting at right now are what a lot of, you know, people that want to get started with this kind of stuff. That's kind of what the dream is, right? Is you have those epic fights, even if they are a yeah. little bit of a slapstick at times and all that kind of things. And that's what most, I feel like people that are trying to build a narrative into their club or whatever it is that they're trying to build towards. That's the end goal of all of this campaign stuff. For me as a gamer, it's very important that you have blood. It, 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 it's the thing that stimulates me the most as far as getting me to paint and getting into it. Like if I have like somebody I have a problem with in my club and stuff like that, and we got some tensions in our, in our fights and stuff like that, it motivates me. Like I'll go home and like immediately start building stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, wait till I see, see him next week. I got something new for him. Yeah, it, that, that's an important thing. And I definitely need the fluff. You know, fluff is so, so important. There's so much like, you know, vanilla stuff out there as far as fantasy, sci-fi, whatever genre you want to talk about, you know, but you got to make up your characters and stuff. Use what you got and, and have fun with it. You know, and that's the stuff that people are going to remember. Those are the battles that people will remember. It's not the 8,000 times you fought against that same list or whatever. That's, you know, kind of mm -hmm. like bland, you know, it's, it's the crazy wacky stuff that they might remember. You know, was that a goblin riding in Turkey? Yeah, it was. It really <laughs> was. And you'll remember that kind of stuff. Honestly, too, another thing to consider is like, in a setting like that, yeah, like winning games is great and everything. And we all do practice for tournaments. We like to consider ourselves decently serious tournament players too. But what's great is like, I'll go over Ron's house and like whoever loses, like nobody cares. Nobody's salty about it because you know what? Like, oh yeah, I just lost, but like pickle stand is burned to the ground and Rico Radisquico did that, you know, like, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter if I win or lost because like you're still smiling and you're still having a good time. Right. I, I give give one quick example of like how spontaneous that is, like even in Universal Battle, which I'm surprised how much I enjoy it because I really like the way two armies look on the table. But I was playing my first game against Mark Campbell, uh, who's one of our newest uh, Canadian comrades and a uh, great player and a really good player. Right. So. Uh, I played him in my like second game of Universal Battle, and he murdered me, <laughs> absolutely destroyed me. Right, but one thing that was happening was Skullface, who in this game is represented by a crudger on foot with Chalice of Wrath and uh, a skull pole. Right, is locked in combat with his Duke on Ancient Arales. That is like unkillable, 
right? Because it's it's healing, it's got iron resolve, it's got that stupid aura. Anyways, his entire army, turn seven, is just watching this combat because all my other orcs are dead. And Skullface doesn't die, and his duke, you know, uh, Commandant Frost is what I call him. <laughs> They're both still alive, right? And in, in my fluff, Skullface is actually immortal. So what, <laughs> what happened is he he died in the Edge of the Abyss campaign, and it was a really sad moment because he got really powerful, and I was really enjoying having this really powerful orc, but he died. But what <laughs> happened is he he conquered hell because he's too bad for hell and came back. So now there's this revolving door. Every time Skullface dies, he comes back. It's fine. And that's brought stability to Orktown because for the first time ever, the orcs have this unkillable leader because there's always a power struggle amongst orcs to see who's the best and biggest boss. But since Skullface can't die, it, it goes without question that he's the boss. So my orcs enjoy this big renaissance and we're the most uh, advanced uh, society in working landia, arguably. So, but in this game, in this game, Skullface didn't die. It was a non-result. So I'm looking at this. I said, uh, "Mark, you know what just happened?" He said, "What?" He said, "I said, you just captured Skullface alive." So what happened over the next week? I Google image searched supervillain jail, right? And I, I found these, like, you know, these glass prison cells with, like, Magneto in it or the kingpin. And I put Skullface in that prison cell. And the whole week was a buildup to this jailbreak uh, then with, you know, to see who who was going to break Skullface out of prison. And that ended up into a mega battle, like, three days later. And anyway, so that's that's how a lot of this starts, is just like, you know, wait a minute, you know, just a little creative thinking, you know, good game or whatever. And like, you know, what just happened? And you just kind of keep this story and this dialogue and narrative going and going and going. It gets it gets totally out of control, but it's so much fun. I'm the biggest empire right now. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> Commander Crater's working his way up. So if you guys were to boil down, then the essence of what your guys is the synergy in your guys's club would be a probably comes down to the idea of just coming up with a narrative that strings each battle together, essentially. Is that kind of a general, like if you're going to give a guideline to another club that was trying to capture that same essence with their group, good way to starting point at the very least. I would say, yeah, I would say always be supportive of ideas. The hallmark of a good GM for a role-playing game is to say yes. And also, so anytime somebody comes up with an idea, you go, cool idea. How about this too? Or this happens as well, or my characters react this way. So, you know, like one of us will raise our hand and be like, my character is doing this. And then like three or four of us will be like, I'm on board. I'm with this person. I'm also with this person. And then the other three will be like, we're going to fight him because we don't want him to do that. You know? Mm. So it's all about team storytelling. Not, this isn't a one, one man show, you know, and you just, you kind of work together and build something that that's just bigger than one person or, or it's bigger than just saying like, I don't know, for example, like edge of the abyss was a great campaign. I'll never say anything bad about it. But my point being is like 
Edge of the Abyss is a book, right? You look at that book and everything that's happening in that campaign is spelled out for you. Whereas we don't really have structure like that. It's like, you know, if Skullface if Skullface decides he's captured, cool, we're gonna have a, you know, a three-way mega battle to see who gains the favor of Skullface for breaking him out, you know? And just spontaneous things like that have really been helping our our narrative kind of go. I think it also helps like in to I don't know, try and have like a, a general, like be the face of your army. And you know, so we have we have Skullface with Orktown, we have the Great Khan from Mandrulia, Rico Ratasquico for Lab 13 and the Rats and all these other characters. But then, you know, try and bake it into as many aspects of your club as you can. It's got to be genuine. It's it takes it takes work, but it's also it's got to be fun. I, I just think like you know, not only do we have this, is sort of like the the genesis of it. You know, kind of the the BS that happens before and after and leading up to games. But then you know we've baked it into all of our terrain and our tables at uh, Orktown GT. And all our trophies are sort of in this universe of working Landia that Joe Taylor and Doug Blake make for us. So, I mean, it's it, it starts off small, but before you know it, like, especially if you have a, you know, a group of friends and you play enough games of Kings of War and you can kind of like the other person or whatever you can, you know, you have an OK t- club mate. But after like 10, 15 games, like that dude's your bro or or your or your or your sister, you know. We we have one girl. We have Ashley Mullack. <laughs> we actually have a real girl. We do. We have a real girl who's a nuke. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, neener neener. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So it's got to be genuine. It's got to be fun. And for us, I think that a lot of that comes with a, a whole ton of ton in cheek. But like you like, but it's got to be serious, or like it won't be believable. So it's kind of a fine line between the two with what we do it's a fantasy game you know use your imagination don't ever be afraid to use it stuff i mean a lot of it can be easily translated into the game as far as powers and whatever you know but never be afraid to express yourself as far as your modeling as far as your painting and 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 don't ever be afraid to just be yourself and try to you know like kate you like you're saying like just you know, you got to be able to sell it, though. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. You know, you got to be able to make it convincible, you know, but don't ever be afraid to use your imagination. And unfortunately, a lot of times, a lot of people forget about that. But we're still favored with Kings of War, where it's very open minded um, as far as models and everything else that we can use. And that's like one of the biggest selling points to me is the fact that I can use pretty much whatever I can get my grubby claws on. I'm sold. It really allows for that kind of artistic freedom, and that should also be reflected in your fluff. Yeah. That is all I have spoken. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I, I think I think Kings of War was perfect for that because, like, now now the backstory is getting really good. I think uh, with the new with the third edition and the new books that are really you know excellent. Like, Ben, I got to read your book. I'm excited for that. But you know, in the beginning, it was sort of blank slatey. So we really thrived on that. And now, like, we'll, we'll take general themes. Like, with the, ho- hopefully we got a new campaign coming from Mantic this summer. Like, we will work in, I don't know, the major elements of that 
going on, but we'll adapt it to our universe. Why not do that yourselves? You know, I mean, it's you kind of working out that piece of your brain. Like it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of gray area that they allow. Mantic allows that you draw, draw your own, make your own narrative, make your own storyline, make your own campaign stuff. And well, like the other thing too, a lot of people get hung up on like special characters. Like don't forget ever for a second, like, Sometimes I'll run Grokagamok. That's not Grokagamok. That's Commander Crater, right? Like, <laughs> that's how amazing he is, right? <laughs> so I'm still, I'm still waiting yeah. for the update from Mantic where Gakamak is just name changed to Skullface. Like, right. that, then, oh. I'll <laughs> then I'll be happy. Just keep trying, I guess. You know, yeah. eventually. Yeah. I mean, he's already in the he's already in the lore. I got one line mentioned. That was amazing. That was hey, that's still, that's, that's <laughs> you can't still, be complaining about that, man. That's still no, one more line true. that I've gotten mentioned in any that's of true. the books. <laughs> you know what's great about all this? Is while you guys are jibby jabbing, I'm working on a mention. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Watch out. Got more mincers coming in. Oh god. My ponds are breaking. The last thing you need is more mincers. I mean, unless anyone's got anything else, we can kind of pivot to the uh, International Campaign Day, which one of our hosts, uh, Ben, uh, yeah. is kind of a big part about. Does anybody have anything else? I guess any last things before we move on? I think uh, I'm all set. Okay. Yeah, just be creative. It's not it's not that hard. Little practice, <laughs> and you know something hilarious will happen. Start small and grow as you need. Yeah. Sure. You want to play goblins. I think if we boil it down, it's like start small. And then I think part of big part of it too is like, don't take yourself too seriously. Like, that too. Know, it's just a game here. and we're here to laugh and have fun. We're not so. here to be J.R.R. Tolkien or George R. R. Martin recreate the next best epic fantasy. Like right. it's, it's like you said, it's a game, you know, yep. it's, right. it's a oh, way to connect with your up. friends. And if one of your friends like comes up with something that's kind of from left field or whatever, like just, just turn around it. and do what he did plus one and and keep it going yeah. that way. Yep. That's really good advice. Okay. So, Ben, I know you you have here doing the International Campaign Days because you actually write the fluff for the International Campaign Day. Uh, so maybe you can kind of talk about kind of what you do, the thought process behind this stuff, the kind of creative stuff, what inputs you get from Mantic, if any. Yeah, so with International Campaign Day, the whole premise behind that is just getting everybody together. It's a big celebration of the hobby across the world kind of thing, and it's evolved into the 24 hours of gaming. And the whole idea behind writing fluff behind it was just uh, kind of like what we've been discussing about having kind of like having a dog in the fight kind of thing where – what happens in the battles influences what happens in the stories and uh, where we don't have a, a, the time to sit there and make it personally crafted to the exact events that happen in the battle. We What we'll do a lot of the times is we'll pre-draft up the stories and depending on which side wins, uh, whether it's good or evil, that's how the story is going to go. We have uh, basically kind of like a choose your own adventure novel kind of thing going on where we set that up and if good wins this scenario then that's we we publish the the good ending to that battle scenario and then if evil wins it then we do the opposite basically um the the main thing that i've learned after doing a couple of these is the whole kiss theory of keep it simple stupid um (laughs) 
And it just, it, it fits so much easier if you don't try to get super elaborate. I remember the first time I did it, I literally wrote, I think like 30 pages worth of possible outcomes, depending on what happened. And only like five pages got really published. And of those five pages, I think seven people read it. So it, it was, it was, it was fun and it helped a lot of people and it helped inform what kind of scenarios we we're going to do. But it was a lot of work and most of it didn't get used. And I think keeping it a little bit more organic and a little bit simpler to develop helps it a lot with um, making sure that it it stays on track and that it's easy to, to monitor and make sure that it's not wasting a lot of effort in stuff that doesn't even get used, if that makes sense. Because a lot of things that I think can happen is if you try to make it too elaborate is you just end up bogging people down with rules or you as the person that's keeping track of it end up having that fatigue set in of, oh, there's so much to do. There's so many things to keep track of. I need to do so much prep work for this. And anybody that's DM'd a D&D session or has run a campaign of any kind will know that it's like herding cats and it's 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 a job <laughs> in and of itself. I feel you on that one for sure. Yeah, exactly. And if you and if you put too much if you try to make too many things that factor into it, you you end up ruining grandma's recipe and the banana bread comes out and it didn't raise kind of thing. If that analogy makes sense, you just, you start putting in too many ingredients and, and it doesn't work. <laughs> and so that, that's, that's the thing that I've noticed, but with international campaign day, it's been a lot of fun because you know, it's, it's a wide audience and it gives everybody that opportunity. And that's the thing that I've noticed with the campaign is if, if your players don't feel like they have skin in the fight, they're going to stop caring about the campaign. If it's just you railroading your narrative into the story, nobody cares after a while kind of thing. It becomes you shouting into a vacuum kind of thing and you lose players because of that. So making sure that the players are involved and are able to participate in the story, even if it's just, you know, does good win or does bad win kind of thing. And if so, how does that change the story? That I think is a, is a key ingredient to any campaign or any, any community activity that you do. So Ben, how do you determine what story is going to be told during international campaign day? Uh, it's, honestly, it's whatever I want to write about, whatever's catching my interest at the time. Um, I, We'll sometimes look at what, you know, the new hotness is as far as what everybody's talking about currently, who the, the big bad is currently, whether it's, you know, when I did the last one or the one before last, it was Night Stalkers had just come out and that's what everybody was talking about and everybody wanted to know more about the Night Stalkers. So that's what we centered it around was the Night Stalkers taking over a, a door and hole and them going in to, to fight it. Uh, before that, it was... It actually based off because the very first campaign day I wasn't in and Chris came up with a rough storyline for the very first one. And we just carried that one on for the next two. Um, and it was actually a pretty satisfying storyline, how it worked out with that. But yeah, that's that's basically what it is, is what look at what is interesting to the players. And we try to accommodate, you know, what the storyline is that they're interested in. Yeah. Do you remember which one we turned into the audio drama? That was the Godstone Wars part two of, well, part 1.5 kind of thing. It was the second international campaign day. And that was the first one that I ever wrote up. And that's, that's the one that I had 30 pages of deleted scenes kind of thing that we could have done a whole director's cut of, and only like five pages of it really made it into, into that, into what everybody saw kind of thing. 
So that was the first one that we that I was involved with that we turned into that audio drama from the Dead Zone podcast. Guys did that, right? Yeah, that was fantastic. We really had a good time with that. So I'll have to dig that up and find that link if nobody's listened to it. Uh, the guys did a great job because they do Vinland old time radio and they used all their skills to bring Ben's international campaign day story to life, which was really cool. And it was a lot of fun to hear from from the creator's side of it, too, to see that come to life, too. So it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that they did that. And that was that was fun to listen to. Yeah, well, hey, maybe uh, Skullface and the Mongrel Empire and stuff will have to raid uh, International Campaign Day sometime into the future. So. Pleasure. The first one, we, we had a barbecue in my backyard, and we were all playing outside. We set up like four tables. We played all day, and we were playing the International Campaign Day with our characters, same thing. But in the, in that story, it was a great time. So That was a ton of fun. We even got John Venace. Yeah. To John Venace. Yeah. You know, a few games with us out in the backyard. So, yeah, yeah International Campaign Day is a, is a blast. We'll be looking to do another one here in the in the future sometime. We've had a little bit more time to plan with the uh, the quarantine and whatnot. <laughs> there you go. Do you guys have a date or anything? Or uh... at this point, uh, with um, with Chris kind of taking a break from the hobby, and I haven't heard. And Mark had to sit the last one out. We're still kind of regrouping from from all of that so it'll it, we haven't got a specific date down just yet we're still working with a with a pretty new team that was mostly assembled for this last one so we'll see what dates we come up with and uh what that's going to look like and also it kind of helps to know where the world is actually going to be at and if that would be plausible outside of like a universal battle tournament which would be a bit interesting <laughs> for international campaign day all right. Well, that sounds good. Well, hey, Ben, you know, I'm really looking forward to the next uh, International Campaign Day, and uh, it should be fantastic. I really enjoy them myself. I really enjoy that special character that you get to build, and we always have a good time. I didn't get to do the last one, so I was a little disappointed, actually. It was a pretty busy weekend for me here at the house, but I love International Campaign Day. Always a lot of fun. And the big thing is you can start Friday night here on the East Coast and go all the way through. You know, and try to make the 24 hours. I almost did it once, but always a good time. I love jumping off with the Australians on Friday night and working our way through the day. So Yeah, we always do a two-day thing where I'm at, too, where we, we start on Friday night. We try to have, like, a barbecue or something like that or try to at least get together and have pizza or something to, to kind of help go through it, and it's a lot of fun. We enjoy it. Fantastic. All right. Well, hey, you know what? Why don't we go ahead? We're going to slide into a commercial break. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to do shout outs and we're going to wrap up the show. And welcome back. All right. Well, hey, I hope you guys really enjoyed that. I know I did. So uh, I love narrative gaming. So I'm really glad that we could bring that to you here on the Narrative Workshop. Go figure. Anyways, it's time for shout-outs. So I'm going to start off. So, of course, i got to give a shout-out to EasyArmy.com. Can you spot Blaster on the page? Definitely check it out. You know, it's a little bit updated here for third edition, so go check it out. You know, the way you can support Greg now is to uh, sign up for the premium version of the program. So go ahead and check that out, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. I love EasyArmy.com, and as you know, I always say it doesn't exist if it's not on EasyArmy.com. Uh, the other thing is I'm putting a shout-out to the Counter Charge audience. Uh, as you know, or some of you might not know, but Ben Stoddard, our novelist here, freshly minted, 
you know, did a lot of work with us on our Countercharge journal. Actually, you can go over to the Wing Tassar website and you can download volume one. Well, unfortunately, our editor, uh, Tim Roller, had to move on because of some work uh, issues and some conflicts. So we are actually out there looking for an editor and also a layout person. So if you have any interest in working with you know Ben and our other cadre of writers, we'd love to have you. So reach out to me at countercharge2015 at AOL.com. And uh, we will go ahead and uh, chat you up, and uh, we'll see if we can get you on the team here. So, But uh, the Countercharge Journal is published up on the Wing Tassar website, and we want to really thank Wing Tassar Publishing for helping us out with the Countercharge Journal. And if you haven't checked it out, I'll put the link in the show notes, and you can go check out the first issue. I think it's really cool. And we also put in there a lot of uh, great miniatures that have been done by the community that go ahead and match up with the story. So go ahead and check that out. And then also, I'm going to congratulate Ben on his first novel. So congratulations, Ben. Thank you. A huge accomplishment. I I watched it go from infancy to you pitching the very first idea to Wing to Sar and watching it go forward. And uh, as you were knitting all the relationships with all the other authors over there in the stable with Wing to Sar. So Tip of the hat and a hearty congratulations. Oh, thank you. Go ahead and say thanks back to you, Mark, because honestly, you're one of the first people that actually got me started with that, helped me make all the connections, did all that kind of stuff. Uh, honestly, probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for you. And ironically, the story actually started out that I wrote the novel from actually started out from our first incarnation of the uh, of the Countercharge Journal way back when in 2018, when we started putting it together, the, the short story that I wrote for that actually turned into the novel that's been published now. So that forced me to make a different story that's now in the countercharge journal. But that, that story that I wrote for that turned into the novel that just recently got published. So basically it all started here with the narrative workshop and the countercharge journal and all that stuff basically kind of started out here. And that's, that's where it all kind of came together. So thank you, Mark. Oh, you're very welcome, Ben. And hey, another shout out. If you want to get involved with the journal, just let me know. Shoot me an email. So, Ben, any other shout outs tonight? Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to all the, the content providers that have been working throughout this whole quarantine section. Dash 28, all the all the the channels for producing painting tutorials and battle reports and all the people that have just been working and putting out stuff to help get us through this time, this kind of uncertain time where it's kind of it's easy to get anxious when you're when you're not occupied with things um and just all the stuff that's been produced it's been it's been awesome to see how this community has kind of come together and has just shown the love for each other by just sharing the passion for the hobby it's been really fascinating to watch how much stuff has just poured into the the facebook feeds and how positive everybody is being and supportive with with different hobby projects and hobby competitions and content and online tournaments and articles and just everything that you can imagine we have had a glut of just fantastic content being produced and i think that's something that really speaks volumes for the community here here so k2 any shout outs tonight well, of course, uh, if you want to learn more about uh, our crazy lore, I would say ask to join the uh, Nuke Facebook page, which is the Northeast War Kings. Um, we're, we're north of like 200 members and, you know, there's, there's constant gags and little tidbits and, uh, and stuff going on there. And um, also like to shout out 
a couple of our members that also really do a lot to kind of not only come up with lore, but just kind of bedrocks of our club, which is uh, Joe Taylor and Doug Blake, famous for the trophies and all the terrain and stuff, and pretty good fluff uh, smiths of their own in their own right. And um, also our our local game store, which right now is closed, but uh, which is gamenight.net as uh, the name of the store in West Barnstable in Massachusetts on Cape Cod. But Chris Rebello, who uh, runs that, he's been, you know, messaging us. He goes into the game store and he will he's doing home delivery for us. Like if we need paints, brushes or whatever. So uh, I know we all can't wait to to get back to to the to the game store to game night and play some real games and uh and yeah just everybody out there that's that's working through uh containment especially uh you know for one thing like ashley right she's she's a nurse in icu in montreal so all those people doing that kind of work it's just uh you know thanks a lot and and thanks for having me on the podcast this has been been a lot of fun well, we're glad you could join us tonight. Definitely, definitely. And a big shout out to Ashley. I know she had a little scare there, so uh, glad everything turned out okay for her. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Ron, Bye. any shout outs tonight? Uh, yeah, well, I want to say thank you for having me on the show tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to say thank you to the rest of uh, my new brothers and sisters for uh, just being you. Uh, keep doing your modeling. Keep having fun on UB. And thank you for all the territories you've been giving me. I want to say thank you to Stink for putting up with my temper tantrum. And yeah, that's about it. I don't know. I'm not, like I said, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I hope to hear from you all again soon. Absolutely. Well, hey, we're really glad you could join us tonight. All right, Josh, any shout outs for tonight? So I just wanted to say thank you for having us for the fourth time mark on the show really appreciate uh you guys reaching out to us and uh kind of getting an idea of our fluff and all that sort of stuff k2 really did a great job um nailing pretty much all the shout outs that i would probably call out uh one thing i will mention is um so unfortunately because of the virus we weren't able to run our gt this year our gt is Orktown gt obviously it's probably not going to run this year but there's going to be more updates. We're going to try to keep our website updated, and that's orc.town. You can go there. You can see some pictures of our terrain and our fluff, you know, and the leaderboards from years past. But basically, keep up with all Orktown shenanigans. It's orc.town. That would be my only my only shout out. There you go. Now you guys have that in a unique venue, don't you? Yeah, it's actually um, it's just, it's actually a bar, like a like a college party bar that we kind of clear out and uh, take over for the weekend. So it's it's a really good time. It's pretty much the dirtiest bar <laughs> on Cape Cod. But that right. I, I was joking around that like thank goodness we're we're more orc and greenskin themed because uh we can get away with dirty and not quite perfect. Like if we were elf themed, forget it. I like not quite perfect better. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not quite perfect, perfect is good. Yeah. But it, it's not, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to catch some weird disease if you come and have a beer there for sure. But <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah. And thanks that everybody that like that has ever liked or, you know, commented on any of our shenanigans on the nuke Facebook page. Like, like I remember Alex Coos. Right, used to like Orktown themes before I even knew who the hell Alex Coos was. <laughs> right. 
Absolutely. And I remember Who? finally meeting him at Crossroads, and it was like, oh my god, like you know, best friends instantaneously. So, <laughs> um, you know, just uh, there's a lot of people. Even Felix has been liking Orktown themes way before I knew, uh, you know, had met him. So thanks to everybody that you know is just kind of fans. So we 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 do it in large part because uh, of your encouragement. So <laughs> yes. So yeah. it's our fault. Got it. It's all your fault. It's all your fault. We do it for oh, those yeah. likes. <laughs> do it for those five or six likes per meme. You know? Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, I need those. Speaking of Felix, Felix, any shout outs tonight? Oh, man. I, I don't really have a whole lot. I'd just like to echo what, uh, what was said earlier. A shout out to those who work in the health career field or in other essential jobs out there that help keeping our society running uh, while we're all in various stages of, of, of lockdown. I got nothing Kings of War wide because, uh, yeah, basically my, uh, my tournament season was kind of shot to, to hell with uh, everything but uh you know what we're gonna we're make it through uh gives me plenty of time to hobby which i'm pretty happy for that and also just a shout out for just people in general it can be a very isolating time you know for even at the best of times for some people uh this could be even worse so if you're if you feel the need to reach out to people please do you know we're all gonna get through this better together and uh make this kings of war community even better than it already is so um that's kind of what uh i have and uh with that uh let's get the great con to lead us out of here thank you for listening and we declare war thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on countercharge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the countercharge kings of war podcast facebook group If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.